Thanks for listening to the Swearing In Podcast, where you'll hear the origin stories of those who chose to serve. So ground your gear, take a seat, and listen up. The Swearing In Podcast starts right now. Forgot to do my ORM, now I'm going home. Forgot to do my ORM, and now I'm going home. Oh Lord, I want to stay. Oh Lord, I want to stay. Big Navy says no way. Big Navy says no way. Hello and welcome to everyone listening, and a hearty hua to all of my brothers and sisters in service. This is the Swearing In Podcast, and I am your host, Marty Smith. Today, my guest is Navy Commander Retired, Lem Shepard. Lem graduated high school in Newport, Rhode Island in 1972. He attended the University of California at San Diego, where he graduated with a psychology degree in 1976. After speaking with a Navy recruiter, he decided to join the service, and in October 1976, he swore in. Lem attended Officer Canada School at Newport, Rhode Island, followed by Service Warfare Officer School at San Diego, California. His first assignment was aboard the aircraft carrier USS Ranger. His next ship was the oil tanker USNS Kawishui an assignment to Yokosuka, Japan, followed by shore duty back at San Diego. In 1986, he left the active Navy and joined the Naval Reserves. After several different reserve assignments, he deployed to Kuwait in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom. He retired from the Navy in 2004. This concludes your readiness brief on Commander Shepard. Now let's get on with the interview. Hey, Lem, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you loud and clear. How me, over? Yep, uh, five by five, as the, old, as the old people used to say. Where'd you grow up at? You know, my dad was in the Marine Corps, and he retired. By the time he retired out of the Marine Corps, I had just started college. Consequently, when I, as I grew up, I was, it was mainly on Marine Corps stations from no Camp uh, I, I still say Camp Lejeune. <laughs> to Camp Pendleton, to Kaneohe. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, he had his time at the Pentagon. We moved. So people ask me, like, oh, where are you from, Lem? Well, I have to answer honestly, because my dad was in the Marine Corps for the first 20-some years of my life, we moved all over the United States. Oh, that's fair. And, uh, which, which, which had a big influence on me. Where'd you graduate from high school then? Ultimately, maybe you we know, can. Actually, ironically, I, I New England. It it was cold up there, and that was kind of a weird place. But uh, my dad, one of one of his assignments was at the. Uh, even though he's in the Marines, it was at the Naval War College in Newport, Rhode Island, and consequently, uh, during that time period, that's where I ended up graduating from high school. Did you graduate in? 76? No, actually, I graduated in uh, close. Uh, I graduated in 1972. You know something? I'm going to be very candid with you here. I, I went uh, following high school graduation. I went to college and then I ended up getting a commission. Oh, yeah, and, that's fine. Yeah. Did you and, go ROTC? 
well, so so here's the interest. This is the ironic thing, and I keep my sense of humor. So after I graduated from college, uh, kind of a long story, I ended up going back to the I call it officer boot camp, which was officer candidate school OCS in okay. believe it or not Newport, Rhode Island. In oh no. Yeah, I know. It was the middle of a, a record-breaking cold winter, and uh, we marched around outside, and uh, it sucked. And I put in my, uh, turned out to be six months at OCS in Newport, Rhode Island. And ironically, I didn't have a chance to uh, visit any of my old uh, high school or haunts there. <laughs> no, they wouldn't let you out to go do that. Uh, basically, yeah, we were stuck on base. I don't, th- I don't know if it was as tough as boot camp, but it it, it sucked, <laughs> and uh, I was glad to to pack my bags. And actually, I don't think I've ever been back there, nor have a my yeah. high school had its uh, reunion, uh, yeah. the fiftieth reunion, not long ago. And I just said thanks, but no thanks. Uh, I had no desire really. Uh, I think Newport kind of, uh, you know, OCS left a bad taste in my mouth. You graduate from Newport uh, High School in 1972, and you were straight off to college, or what was your plans then? Yeah, uh, I was. Actually, my dad was still in the Marine Corps, and uh, I- What rank was was your father at that time? Yeah, my dad, he retired as a colonel. Uh, I will digress for just a second, though, Marty, because this is an impact on my life. Uh, My father's father- was in the Marine Corps. And actually my, my mother's father was in the Navy. So in that sense, yeah, there was a family tradition of of serving in the military. So those definitely had an influence on me. Wow. So he was a Colonel. Um, Did he do his time over in Vietnam? Indeed he did. Yeah. He um, actually, he kind of joined as a 17 year old, the Marine Corps uh, during world war two Jeez. Uh, I know. I didn't see much action, but he was he he was on the ground, saw action in both the Korean War and the war in Vietnam. Wow. So he had a he had a 30 30 year uh career in the Marine Corps. Uh and again, that had a huge uh I he was a role model and you know, I I, I looked up to him. So uh, actually, here's an ironic thing. Uh because he he was such a gung-ho marine i i never felt i could really follow in his footsteps and consequently uh it was like man i i don't you know if i would be overshadowed by my father and even my grandfather if i joined the marines consequently i ended up joining the navy how, how would that now, how did that come about I, ironically marty so the spring of my senior year as graduation was approaching my dad said okay uh, you're going to have to get a job and make your way in the world. This was spring of my uh, senior year, and it's like, uh-oh, uh, I'm not sure what kind of uh, job I can find. And was the draft then, Was the draft still going? It, it, you know, it was just ending. Uh, okay. So it switched over from uh, dra- the draft to uh, all-volunteer, and I think that was about 1976. I'd have to double-check. But it was it was around that time period when they did away with the draft and went to the all voluntary uh, military. So although I actually I think I got uh, some sort of a draft number, I they were not breathing down my neck. As sure. a matter of fact, Vietnam, the Vietnam War at that point was essentially over 
although it was the military was still a unpopular yeah. Um, yeah, uh, profession. Right. Right. Um, okay. I'm sorry. I, I, I short circuited your story there. Yeah. So uh, you're going to have to, you're going to have to go out and get a job. That's right. So it's like, okay, uh, Lem, uh, you know, so what you going to do to earn a living? It just so happened. I think in our, I saw it in our, uh, college newspaper. It was like, oh, uh, Military uh, Navy recruiters will be on base. Uh, uh, I, I'm sorry, will be on campus. Yeah, uh, you know, conducting interviews. Uh, you know, uh, next week. Uh, and uh, if you want to uh, have, sit have, sit down with the uh, uh, Navy recruiters on campus, uh, you can you can set up an interview. And uh, so again, I, I you know I was kind of uh, lost and uh, didn't have a. Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, the military, quite honestly, Marty, had maybe subconsciously I was leaning in that direction, but I I did not have a burning desire to join well, the Navy or anything. That's fair. Yeah, sure. Sure. Even with your, your father, your grandfather and all that, they didn't put any pressure to go, hey, go into the military. Yeah. You know, in that way, I was blessed. Uh, they didn't even kind of say, oh, you should go to uh, the Naval Academy or VMI. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or even a ROTC, uh, you know, I, I, I got to give them a lot of credit. They did not put a, a pressure on me, you know, uh, during high school to like, oh, you got to, you know, get a, a ROTC scholarship or I didn't even apply. I don't think I could have gotten into any of the academies, quite honestly. <laughs> Were you a good high school student? Yeah, fair. Actually, okay. fair. It would have been interesting. I, I, it didn't really even occur to me, Marty, uh, to, I was so kind of, I was rebellious and wanted to have, you know, long hair and, really? the, the, you know, during the seventies, there was still a lot of anti-military, uh, because of, of the course. Vietnam war, uh, sentiment. And it was like, man, uh, you know, who, who would want to go to, West Point or the Academy. And again, I, I don't think academically I could have gotten in quite honestly. Yeah. yeah. No, it's summer of love, right? Yeah. Well, that's right. You know, it was like, <laughs> oh, let, let your hair grow. And not only that, but women, I was anxious to uh, uh, sow my wild oats and uh, enjoy my, my four years in college. So uh, the recruiter, did you go talk to him when they came? Yeah. Yeah. We had a good sit down. He was a wonderful guy. And it was like, yeah, I think uh, I think we can get you in uh, again. I think part of that was because of the holdover from the Vietnam War era. Uh, the military was not real popular, so it was not it was not as selective, quite honestly. Yeah. Uh, both enlisted and officers, it was kind of like, oh, okay, you got decent grades. Uh, actually, I'm going to digress for one point. I don't know if I made an error. Uh, but there was the question arose like, oh, uh, Lem, have you ever smoked marijuana? And I said, well, oh. as a matter of fact, I had. Uh-oh. It was <laughs> like uh, we, I had to jump through a bunch of hoops and, and uh, say, oh, it was only under uh, experimental. I only did it two or three times, and it was for social experimentation, and I had to get a big waiver from the senior captain or some such thing. Wow. Like, man. All my classmates smoked dope all the time. And here, uh, you know, and actually, then I went to OCS and I started talking to some of my fellow uh, candidates at OCS. And they all said, oh, well, of course, we smoke dope, but 
we didn't mention it to the recruiter. Were you crazy? (laughs) (laughs) I think I said experimental use uh, as well. So that must be the key phrase. That's right. It was the key phrase. Oh, you experimented under social circumstances or some such. uh, Okay, we'll give you a one-time pass on that that, uh, experience. Okay, so you're finishing up at school when the recruiters are coming. Is that what yeah, it was it was my senior year and I didn't have it was not like I don't know what other uh, companies I might have interviewed. You yeah. know, some of the companies come on campus and they sit down and interview. But uh, I was kind of a lost sheep and uh, I got excited, actually, uh, about the Navy and returning to Newport. Ironically, I had fairly <laughs> uh, pleasant memories from my time at uh, high school up there. Uh, and I thought, oh, wouldn't that be cool? And, yeah. uh, you know, it was kind of neat. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I can go back to Newport, Rhode Island for six months. I But little did I know what I was getting into. What university did you go to? I, I Well, my, my dad retired out of the Marine Corps and moved to San Diego, ironically. And I graduated from University of California at San Diego. So UCSD. Nowadays, it's a, it's a very competitive, academically demanding uh, college, and uh, my grades were okay. Uh, but again, uh, things have gotten so super competitive. I'm not sure I could have gotten in there nowadays. <laughs> what was your major? Uh, so to be honest with you, that was another thing that led me to going into the Navy. I, <laughs> I majored in psych psychology which hey, I was, another yeah, psychology I was, brother I was I was a psychology major as well well I, I found it a fascinating subject and and I was interested as I was in college it's like oh this is a neat subject plus there were you know there were a lot of women you know, ah, like, yes oh. there was yes there was <laughs> you know so yeah so again it's like yeah psychology little did I think about it. yeah and what are you going to do with the degree in psychology <laughs> Well, you're supposed to go get a major in psychology, right? Well, that's right. And I, I did, but I did not pursue graduate school no. at all. Uh, uh, so it, again, it was like, you know, uh, uh, it wasn't like a double E or some, you know, right, some useful right. degree. So the, the recruiters come. Why did you decide on the Navy? Well, uh, you know, uh, again, uh, my dad and my grandfather were very successful Marine Corps officers. And uh, I I felt overshadowed and intimidated by their uh, successful careers. And again, if I had joined the Marine Corps, actually, I have a cousin who's my age who joined the Marine Corps. And, uh, you know, based on his experience, it's like, man, uh, uh, you know, you're, you're, how come you're not as good a Marine as your father and your yeah. grandfather uh, were? Sure. And well, right. so I, I just didn't, I didn't want to kind of be overshadowed. Oh, by the way, Marty, I have the exact same name, Lemuel <laughs> Shepard, which is a little unusual. And it's like, oh, yeah, I, I, you know, uh, I served with your father or some such thing. Oh, so yeah. I, I, I wanted yes. to slightly deviate on my path. What about the uh, Army or Air Force? That wasn't an option? Nah, I, I don't know. I, I, I just didn't really consider them. Actually, you know, spending college in the San Diego area, which is a huge. Oh, yeah. This, yeah, it's all Navy. Day, it's, a, it's a big Navy town right, still. Right. So I was greatly influenced by that. Yeah, easy enough. So you graduate in 76? 76. They come and say, hey, you're going to go to uh, OTS, <laughs> right? 
Yeah, Newport, Rhode Island. You go, you know, I little did I know when I was very extremely naive. Uh, you know, I didn't ask, I didn't know what the heck I was getting into. Uh, I didn't even know. I ended up uh, becoming what they call, uh, uh, and I'm very proud of it, a surface warfare officer, which is aka oh. a ship driver, uh, which oh. I'm extremely proud of to this day. But I never actually, I kind of considered submarines. Which again, back in the back in those days of Rickover and stuff, was extremely competitive, and I didn't have the grades and the uh, the physics classes to to really, really uh, to get to be go go underwater on a sub, and I didn't have the eyesight. When I talked to the Navy recruiter, he's like, "Oh, you got to have like 2020 vision," and sorry, wow. no way you can become an aviator. Well, the uh, they weren't nuclear yet, were they? Oh yeah, yeah. The oh, nukes okay. were there, and though in those bad old days, uh, Admiral Rickover personally interviewed all the uh, sub potential submarine officers. And wow. I don't know if you heard stories, but he gave brutal interviews. And again, uh, I, I I don't think I would have made it through it. How was your first day of OCS then? Yeah, that was a shock. Uh, you know, the same thing, the haircut, uh, you know, and uh, it was a, it, 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 it was a shock to my my liberal uh, inexperience. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, so I was I'll tell you what that first, especially the first week or two, Marty, and I think they do it intentionally, uh, just kind of was such a shock to my system. As a matter of fact, uh, the guy that, that that I shared a bunk with. Uh, right next to me, he rolled out of there. Uh, I think it was two or three days. You could, you could voluntarily. Uh, I think the, you know, uh, as a matter of fact, you after a certain point, you had to pay him back and become enlisted. However, oh, yeah. the first, the first week or so, it's like, hey, if you if you don't want to make the Navy a career, you know, go just just not ring the bell, but just tell them you want out of here. Sure. And so I was kind of like on my own and my my uh, roommate, who was a smart dude, said, hey, this is ridiculous. No way I'm going to put up with this. And he was out of there like about two days later. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. That So that was kind of shocking to my system because uh, yeah. I kind of he, he was my, my, you know, my morale boost. And when he dropped out, uh, it, <laughs> right. it, you know, it, it was a shock again. Sure, and no, no real phones to call home or anything like that. Not that your dad would have yeah. really wanted to hear that phone call, but yeah, you know, I'll tell you what it, it was. It again psychologically, uh, you know, and I know every they do it intentionally, uh, boot camp and stuff uh, to to actually to get rid of screen the people if you can't handle, uh, you know, uh, boot camp or OCS, then you're not going to be able. You're not going to yeah. make it through four years. Yeah, and so yeah. they intentionally try to screen the people who are not dedicated and motivated enough to to intentionally drop out. And so I it, it I it took uh, it was very demanding, and I really had to make up my mind that yep, I'm going to stick with it. Okay, all right. That uh, the job surface warfare officer was that something you negotiated with, or did they just give you that? No, it was kind of the default. I mean, there were some, some at uh, at officer candidate school. Actually, the aviators. I think they go to Pensacola, AOCS, they call it. Oh, uh, but uh, <laughs> up in Newport, I don't know if it's that that way even today. But uh, you know, we had uh, submarine guys, we had SEALs, we had supply oh, wow. officers, and we had a couple other cats and dogs. 
but the majority of folks were, uh, we say, surface line, mighty oh, okay. fine. And it's like, yep, stand by. Uh, you know, if you can make it through OCS, you'll be assigned to a ship. And uh, that's your career path. Jeez, you got to go during the uh, cold part of the uh, year, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I, I don't, you know, we used to tell ourselves, oh, it was a record-breaking uh, cold winter with lots of snow in Newport, and it was damn cold. Uh, <laughs> so that was kind of the, that's my memory, uh, Marty, is kind of like, man, cold days, marching around outside in formation, uh, you know, in the snow, and uh, yeah, uh, it was I, just pretty much a miserable time. Uh, and again, I, I think it, they make it that way intentionally sure. to, you know, it, 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 if you're not motivated enough and committed enough uh, to make it through, then they didn't want you. So that was the purpose. At the end of OCS, is that when you get commissioned? Yes. So on the final day of OCS, they have a ceremony. It's kind of... Not quite like the Naval Academy, but, you know, yeah, you get pinned, you know, you, they promote you to ensign, you know, you switch yeah. from, uh, you know, the, the six Cadet months at OCS, you're enlisted, and then you get, you know, you hold up your right hand. And actually, I don't think they trusted us to throw our, our hard white hats in the air, uh, <laughs> but we held our hands up and uh, got sworn in as, as a sec as ensigns kind of the lowest of the low at, at the end of OCS. Now, did you go off to uh, a specialty school? I, I, I'm, I'm asking because no. I'm a little naive for the officer path. No, I, exactly. And that's why I kind of wanted to make it a little more interesting for some of your listeners. Yeah. So they did send me, there's a pipeline, uh, you know, it's like, oh, okay. Uh, you're a surface warfare officer. I got to admit uh, they did after you get commissioned, that, you know, it gets a little easier in that they, you know, they want to keep you in now. Yeah, However, right, right. It, it was still very demanding and the pipeline to, to become an officer on a ship was still pretty rigorous. And uh, actually, they sent me ironically to San Diego. And uh, that that uh, I'm trying to think uh, of the name of the school there. But that was a that was pretty demanding uh, even there. Uh, so although I, I got out of the uh, the frying pan up in Newport, Rhode Island, uh, <laughs> just, as, just as it was starting to warm up, and uh, they sent me to uh, San Diego to, to uh, the school there, and that was pretty rigorous also. Back to San Diego. Jeez, Rhode Island to back to San Diego. Yeah, actually, so that, that was a good thing. I'll tell you what, there was a little less pressure in that I had gotten commissioned but uh, that was that was pretty demanding. The uh, surface warfare officer, SWO, they pronounce it, surface oh, warfare SWO. officer school in San Diego. Uh, but I was I was definitely in the pipeline by that point. Okay, how long was that school? That school was about three or four months. It, it you know you became what they call a ship driver, and that's where they really teach you ship handling and how to fight a ship. Interestingly enough, so. I, uh, you go through this surface warfare officer school uh, with people who graduated from the Naval Academy and oh, yeah. ROTC. Yeah. And one of the yeah. interesting things, Marty, for whatever reason, the OCS people, which is where I got my commission, did just as well or better, surprisingly, than the Naval Academy and even the ROT and the ROTC. Yeah. Uh, and people said, "Oh, it's because." OCS, it was fresh in your mind, and it was kind of a compressed time. 
But the folks from OCS, which which was pretty selective, did just as well sure. uh, at surface warfare as the Navy Academy and ROTC folks. I was an ROTC guy and doing it, you know, kind of once a week over the four years is not the same as doing, you know, several months right in a row. So that, that that was the theory that it was very compressed and it was fresh in our mind. And that's why we did just as well as, as yeah, the Nazi I think so. I think so. It's just uh, all the Academy guys get their choice of assignments where Razi and OCS got to suck up whatever's left. <laughs> exactly, we kind of get the leftovers, the bottom of the bag after That's all the good, right. after all the good ships and home ports and jobs <laughs> are taken. It's like, oh, what do we have left over for these? Uh, That's these right. OCS folks, uh, we'll give them kind of the bottom, the last choices of where to go. So you graduate SWO school, yeah, and you're off to your first assignment, which is where. Yeah, you know, actually, I was pretty excited. I did, I did get lucky in that regard. It was kind of a mixed blessing. And again, OCS folks got kind of the last choices uh, as far as uh, ship type and uh, home port. But I, I was pretty. I don't know if it was my ranking or not. Or it was probably just luck. Wait, uh, wait. Before before you say that, was did you have to make a list? Are there two separate lists? Are there one f- list for ship type and then one list for postings? Yes. So, so, so there's three variables that they look at. So you put down your 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 three. There's three areas, and you put your your choices. First off is ship type. Second off is uh, I'll say port. You know okay. where, where the ship is out of, and third is your job on that ship. So they look at those three things. And again, you're competing against uh, Naval Academy and ROTC folks, and it's kind of you get the the bottom choices. But I, I got kind of lucky, I got to admit, in that I got two two of the three, or maybe even three of my choices, Marty. I got um, I did want home port of San Diego, which I got. Okay. Oh, um, ship type, not so much. Uh, I ended up on, uh, which in hindsight, I don't know, turned out to be okay. I ended up on an aircraft carrier, huh. uh, which for a surface warfare officer is not necessarily the best ship type. But uh-huh. I, did get a, I did get an interesting billet that I was interested in, and that was operations on the aircraft carrier out of San Diego. Okay. So, so in that regard, I got pretty lucky. Um, what was your, just curious, do you remember what your top choice uh, San Diego obviously was your top choice or location. How about your, your what was your top choice of ship? Yeah, you know, so career-wise, they always said get on a small surface combatant. So supposedly to do well in the Navy, your first ship should be preferably a destroyer. Oh, maybe yeah. Maybe a frigate, maybe a cruiser, uh, but a small surface combatant. Because you have higher visibility and you get oh, more time yeah. in front of the captain, so you know. Uh, I think I did put my first ship type choice as I'll say a destroyer. Aircraft carriers are not for surface warfare officers are not a good first ship. And actually, uh, as, as far as our surface warfare officers, that can be a career killer. Really? Yeah, yeah. Because you just. You got thousands of sailors and and uh, I don't know at least hundreds of officers yeah. and you know it just uh you know it's like oh man you're supposed to be a a, a ship driver <laughs> what why'd they put you on an aircraft carrier? Oh jeez, 
Yeah. So yeah, you kind of get lost in the city that is an aircraft carrier, I guess. It, right? Indeed, it is. It's a floating city, Martin. What uh, what aircraft carrier did you go to? Yeah, it was it, it was a pretty modern one at the time. Uh, it's now what we call razor blades. Uh, it was the uh, aircraft carrier Ranger, and uh, it did have a uh, I don't know memorable history. It, I, it was a good it was a good ship. I'll tell you what I have no misgivings. Uh, it, it it had its problems. All ships do, yeah. but um, you know it, it was a good ship. We spent a whole lot of time at sea. These oh, yeah. were times in the late seventies. Uh, the uh, that's when the country of Iran switched yeah. switched over. The um, Ayatollah took over, and consequently, that the Iran Iraq War was going on, and uh, the ships, including the aircraft carriers, would spend many months, many months deployed uh, up up near the Persian Gulf. Kind of uh, they call it Gonzo Station, right off uh, the Straits of Hormuz. And uh, just go steaming in circles uh, for many months at a time. So seventy eight is when the they took the hostages. Yeah, so it was about that time period. When, Were you out at sea? You know what was ironic, Marty? When I went through OCS, we actually had uh, Iranian naval officer candidates in our OCS class. I don't know wow. whatever happened to them. But uh, it was it wow. was early in my career, sadly, when uh, the Shah got overthrown. That's right. Uh, That's the right. Ayatollah Khomeini took over. He started holding the hostages from our embassy, yeah. and uh, that was that was a sad, difficult time. And uh, the 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 ships were re- were deploying for over six months, and they spent a whole lot of that time out at sea. Where were you at when they? Did that when they got when you got the news of the hostages? You know, I I can't really swear uh, recall exactly at all. It's a bit of a blur. I was on I was on my first ship, and uh, the ship started deploying. They'd get underway from San Diego. They'd steam all the way. Jeez. The, they'd stream steam you know to the Indian Ocean, which is a long ways from San Diego, and then they would stay on station. Uh, and again, it was because of the Iran-Iraq war yeah. and the hostages, et cetera. And the Navy was stretched extremely thin as far as ship numbers and deploy- deployment lengths were really long. And it actually, it was kind of burning people out. That was the other downside. Oh, I bet, I bet, yeah. Yeah, be- spending six six to nine months straight at sea. Uh, and unfortunately, that it's kind of getting back to that, uh, but it was just kind of burning people out. Not good for retention. Exactly. So since the majority of people I talk to on this podcast is Air Force and Army, uh, and this may not be what you were prepared to talk about, but take me into the life of an ensign on an aircraft carrier. I mean, you got your your birth. You're not hot bunking it, right? Because you're an officer. Correct. So... So the, 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 the enlisted guys live uh, very tight quarters. They have triple layer uh, racks, they call them bunks. Uh, the officers uh, lived in a, a six-man stateroom. So as, an, as a junior officer, as an ensign, uh, it, was, uh, you know, it was a six-man stateroom. Uh, we had double layer 
bunks and that we uh, there were two you know uh, racks in uh, yeah. you know one above each other it was you know the 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 it was much better by far than the enlisted folks however it was extremely hot oh uh, yeah you know uh, our our uh, compartment was directly above the engineering spaces and uh, being in the indian ocean uh, oh. uh, it was extremely hot and humid uh, you put in uh, very long hours which uh, you know, you stood watches on the bridge and it could it could uh, get, you know, just physically exhausting. Uh, and you work seven days a week, yeah. uh, you know, 24 hours a day. They tried to give you time off on Sundays, but uh, it was it was demanding uh, mentally and physically, um, you know, for, for everyone on board, officers and enlisted. I, I don't know how it compares to. Uh, the environment today, but during that time, it it, it just uh, wears you down to standing wow. watches, uh, you know, around the clock. Well, for the the hippie Lim Shepherd who was trying to sow his wild oats, he sure, sure went as far on the opposite side of that as you could go, being on an aircraft carrier full of six guys in your room and sweating in the Indian Ocean and pulling seven days worth of shifts. God, that, that had to be tough. Yeah, it, it was. Man, boy, you put your finger right on it, Marty. You you're reading that one right. I didn't little little did I know what I was getting myself into. So it was a culture shock. You know, luckily the the other folks, all of us were in the same situation. We were yeah. shipmates. Yeah. We gave ourselves uh, you know, uh morale support, but uh, all of us it was it was kind of a shock. Uh <laughs> not just kind of it was uh, you know, little did we know any of us what we were getting into. Uh, but but between, you know, the shipmates and looking out for each other, uh, that's what that's the kind of takeaway, just as in all military branches. Uh, it's your your shipmates that you look out for that that uh, keep you going. What were your duties there as, what? you know, a 23 year old? Yeah. Well, good, good questions. Um I did uh, do what they call ship driving, uh, which I'm proud of, in that I uh, was on the bridge oh. and uh, became a officer of the deck and would actually control the ship uh, as the representative of the captain who was who was almost always on the bridge continuously. But uh, again, now that's got to that's going to make it clinch up a little bit. The first time you go, you go do that, right? Yeah, it is. It's kind of scary because <laughs> you have the fear of a collision at sea. Sure, and that that's a real believe it. You know that that's a real fear, and there are uh, ships that run into each other and run aground, and uh, you know bad things can happen. Uh, so standing the watches on the bridge. Um, that was almost a that was almost like a collateral duty. I was what they call a division officer, and actually had quite a few uh, enlisted personnel uh, that I was nominally uh, what in charge of. However, the beauty of it was there were so many layers of senior enlisted personnel. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, so th those are the guys really. So I may have been the quote unquote division officer. You know that kind of ran things, but quite honestly, it was the senior, you know, E seven, E eight, and E nine yeah. that really uh, ran ran things uh, in in my division. In the army, 
when you're commissioned, they throw you right on out there, right? And you're a second lieutenant dealing with E6s and E7s. I had many a times where they pulled me aside and said, hey, you're you're not doing this right. Here's what you need to do. Uh, much to my own chagrin and my own, you know, the sting to your own ego. Yeah. Um, but you take that with the grain of salt and you learn how to deal with the enlisted. You learn how to how to kind of <clears throat> make your way through this military career. Did you have any of those moments? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Thank God. Actually, I had some wonderful, I'll, I'll call them chiefs. They were uh, mainly the E7 personnel who uh, looked out for me. As a matter of fact, I think technically one of their jobs is to kind of mentor uh, the very junior 01, okay. 02 officers. And they did. Yeah. They kept my ass out of trouble. And, uh, you know, they would uh, discreetly, uh, you know, let me know when, when there were problems or I was not doing doing my job correctly. Well, that's I mean, and it's tough to hear when you're that young. But at the same time, you're like, I better listen to these guys because they've been doing it for a while and I need them to be successful. Absolutely. No, I depended on them. And uh, it, it, was, it was a it was a beautiful relationship, quite honestly. And I look back, good. those are the guys that kept me out of trouble. Uh, you know, the uh, the very junior enlisted guys and heaven knows they uh, I'm sure just like in the army and all the branches, those guys can uh, manage to get in all kinds of trouble. Uh, but you got that kind of those layers of the more senior uh, enlisted people who uh, you know, would look out both for the junior officers and their own men. What, uh, how long was your tour on the Ranger? Yeah, I was on the Ranger about three years. And I'll tell you what, that was, that was uh, a tough three years, but I made it through that. And uh, so that was my first ship. My second ship, it was kind of weird. Uh, I ended up, I did well on the Ranger, the aircraft carrier. And then I was uh, I was put on a oil tanker. Actually, I was the only. What? I know uh, it was it was a weird thing, and especially if you're not in the Navy, you 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 do say whiskey tangle foxtrot. Uh, yeah, because, yeah. It, 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 it it's a weird thing. Not it was a it was quite, what they call a, a USNS ship, and ninety percent of the crew on this oil tanker were civilian merchant mariners oh, okay. uh, however they had a what they call a military detachment or department on board these oil tankers uh that was consisted of about 20 men they were all men during my time now it's obviously men and women but you have a 20 person um military department that are in charge of all basically communications and electronic equipment on board the oil tanker Fascinating. Were you uh, a yeah. Lieutenant JG at this time? Actually, I, I had made Lieutenant. So this was, I, I oh, think it was okay. at about the three to four year point, something like okay. that. They, they have the same flow points in all the branches. So two years as an ensign, two years, just as you say, as a Lieutenant JG. And then, uh, so it was basically the three or four year point. So I okay. was a Lieutenant, kind of full of myself, but uh, again, this oil tanker, that was a pretty demanding job too, believe it or not. Were you the highest ranking? I, I was the only officer oh, on board wow. the oil tanker. Uh, so that gave me a lot. I was what they call a um, officer in charge. 
And uh-huh. I did have tw- I had 20 enlisted guys that worked for me. And uh, I was all, kind of my own boss, although they, the, the, the senior, uh, they don't like to use this word, but the master of the ship, uh, the captain, uh, he was also a merchant mariner, uh, but he 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 kind of he uh, he he and the other um, merchant marines uh, drove the ship, and wow. uh, I, I just handled communications and the military equipment on board. Oh, okay. Do you remember the name of it? Oh yeah, uh, it was the U- U.S. I, I, this one is probably razor blades now too, uh, but it was the, all the oil tankers were named after. American Indian Rivers, and huh. this was yeah, this was the USNS Kawishawi. If any of your naval listeners, they all know that the uh, oil, uh, oil oil tanker replenishment ships. They were all they all have Indian River names, and mine was the USNS Kawishawi. So, what uh, did you guys shuttle oil back and forth? Or yeah. So that was what the course we did. Uh, usually on a Friday afternoon, we would pull into port, go to the refueling pier. Uh, they would uh, pump in oil from uh, a huge uh, oil uh, tanks on shore. Uh, they they fill the ballast of the oil tanker, uh, and we we know we our depth would increase. And then usually Sunday night we would get underway. And we would go offshore, and all we do, uh, and it, we put in some long, hard hours and a lot of time at sea. All we do is stay out offshore uh, at least Monday through Friday, and we would refuel oh. uh, the other uh, Navy ships. Wow, you're just a floating gas station. Exactly, floating gas oh, station. Oh my God. How did that assignment come about? Uh, I'm not really sure. Uh, I spent that that time on the Ranger, and I was ready. I wanted to go ashore, yeah. And the Navy, you know, get a little shore duty and relax. And the Navy said, "Nope, we got other plans for you. Oh uh, we're going to send you back to sea on this oil tanker." Uh, and you didn't have much of a choice, quite honestly. It was yeah, just, I, right, right. You know, you just salute and you say, "Okay, that's my next assignment." There sure. I go. Um. But it doesn't sound like a common assignment. How many? I mean, you're yeah, not going to run into a bunch of those guys, right? Yeah, it was it was very unusual in that I was the only naval officer uh, on the ship, and uh, it was uh, a very unusual assignment. Uh, you know, I didn't I didn't report very much to a senior naval officer, uh, but again, uh, spent a whole lot of time on the bridge of the ship, Kwashiwe. Uh, communicating with other naval ships uh, via radio and other things. Uh, so I look back on that tour, although, uh, again, it was pretty demanding. As a matter of fact, for enlisted personnel, being on those oil tankers was considered arduous sea duty in that uh, we were at sea a minimum of five days a week and oftentimes during wow. during exercises, uh, you know, oh, yeah. offshore. Oh, yeah. And going out to Hawaii and other locales, we would spend many weeks straight uh, at sea just refueling Navy ships. Jeez. Not a whole lot of time to meet somebody, start a family, huh? That that That's true. So, yeah, consequently, <laughs> my social life uh, was essentially non-existent. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I didn't, uh, you know, meet... <laughs> 
people ask me, uh, how come you didn't get married, Lem? What, what's the problem? Uh, and I said, well, actually, I'd tell the women, and they like this line. I'd say, oh, that's because the sea was my mistress. Ah, yes. And they, you know, that's kind of a classic line. They, ah, I understand. And that's, I'd say, that's because I spent all my time out at sea. That's why I'm still unmarried. There, I just looked it up. USNS Kawishiwi. Yep, there it is. Huh. Yeah, it was a cool. It was a it was a neat ship, and good good for you. Uh, but again, for your Navy listeners, uh, they'll all say, "Oh yeah, we took on fuel from Kawishiwi." I know what you're talking about. Oh man, that's pretty neat. So a successful tour, I assume. Indeed. Um, yeah. Well, you sound a little, is that a little reservation there? Or? Well. Heavy sigh. I'll tell you what. Uh, I'm doing. I'm doing these flashbacks down memory lane, uh, and this is wonderful, uh, Marty. I tell you what. Uh, again, it's refreshing. Uh, a lot of my memories, uh, and it was a, it was a tiring, uh, not an easy time in my life. But I hung in there. Where did they? Uh, where'd you go after that then? So I talked to uh, my, uh, I don't know, detailer. They call them in the Navy. And it's kind of like I said, hey, I spent uh, five plus years out at sea. It's time to, you know, get a little shore duty. Uh, I'm easy. Uh, just give me some neat shore duty uh, uh, anywhere on the on the uh, Pacific coast or maybe the Caribbean. You know, I'm easy. Oh, sure. And and they said, oh, well, you're single, Lem. And oh, no. um, we got we got a special good deal for you. We're going to send you to Japan. Huh? And I said, wait a second. They don't even, you know, I, I spent five years on, on demanding sea duty. All I want is somewhere, you know, uh, along the West Coast of the United States. You can do that for me. And they said, no, nah, you're single. Uh, you don't have any dependents. We're going to give you shore duty, Lim, uh, in Yokosuka, Japan. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Well, you got half of what you wanted, I suppose. Yeah, I did actually. So that that here's the irony is, um, I was a very unhappy camper in that man. I didn't want to go to Japan, uh, you know, the culture shock, and I wanted to meet some women. Actually, yeah. that was one of the downsides. It's like, oh my god, uh, you know, uh, how am I ever going to meet a uh, anyone uh, if my next assignment's in Japan? Sure. I spent two. I spent two years ashore. Uh, at a Navy command, uh, again, at the large Navy base, it's called Yokosuka, Japan, uh, doing mainly ship repair. Wow. Uh, and ironically, I, I really, um, I look back on that tour uh, with some satisfaction. It turned out to be very interesting. And actually, there were there were female naval officers in the BOQ. Ah. And uh, so I had a tiny social life. My first assignment was to Fort Polk, Louisiana. And I was like, oh my God, this is going to be the worst. And that turned out to be one of the most fun because there's something about being in a place that's not the greatest, but you're all in that place. It's not the greatest. And yeah. so it seemed like that was, a, that was the location that I got my closest buddies because we were kind of all suffering the same, if that makes any sense. Oh, absolutely. No, it's a bonding experience. And, you know, like typhoons, we'd have typhoons party. Actually, the BOQ uh, that I lived in was built by the Japanese military before World War II. Jeez. And it was this rickety old old building, uh, <laughs> you know, that you it was terrible. 
However, we were all in the same situation, including the female officers. And, uh, you know, so we could bond over that. <laughs> that always makes time go by a little bit faster, yeah. a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, well, you've already fulfilled your commitment. So, yeah, right? that's right. So I, you know, I, I never quite honestly, Marty, I never intended to stick around for 20 years. Uh, so I was getting a little, I was more than getting a little burnout and it's like, Hey, I, I wouldn't, you know, when I joined the Navy, it was not with the intention of sticking around for 20 years. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I paid my dues and I can, uh, resign and, yeah. uh, but actually the Navy, I'll keep moving along here. The Navy did dangle a bit of a carrot for my final uh, active duty assignment. Uh, they said, okay, Lim, you paid your dues in all these strange places. Now we're going to give you some shore duty finally, uh, which actually I'm surprised they didn't send me back to sea, which is the standard rotation. But sure. they said, oh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll send you to shore duty in San Diego. There you go. So I said, okay, I'll stick around then. You're not quite at 10 years yet though, right? I was just about, that was just about the 10 year point. And I'll tell you, that's when it gets difficult, Marty. Yeah. You will know it's kind of like, man, I got 10 years under the belt. Do I want to stick around for 20? Uh, you know, can I stick around for 20? Yeah. Uh, so that is kind of, you're right on the cusp of, of deciding whether to, you know, make it a full 20 year career uh, because you've got so much time invested. Sure. So how many years were you back at uh, San Diego? So I was there for my final two years. And again, that was kind of like uh, it was that was kind of the, my final uh, good uh, assignment on active duty. And it was after that point that uh, I said, nah, I'm ready to get out of the Navy. However, I made a smart decision. It was probably one of the smartest ones I've made in my life, Marty. And I've made plenty of mistakes. But I did, I, I switched over to the reserves uh -huh. and uh, consequently started at that point right after active duty to uh, get a number of fascinating uh, Navy reserve positions. Uh, so that, that, was, that was the blessing in that I didn't lose the credit for my yeah. active duty time, but could roll that into eventually retiring out of the reserves. Did you go traditional reserve or did you go active guard reserve? No, I I, I did the drill the weekend and okay. the two weeks a year. And uh, those were some interesting assignments. And I got to admit uh, that, that, that was kind of, that was a whole lot different. And I did enjoy those kind of weird, uh, you know, reserve assignments and <laughs> two weeks active duty. Uh, so uh, that time, pretty much uh, flew by and, uh, you know, I would get promoted uh, at the right uh, milestones. And so I hung around and uh, made it, made it uh, as a reservist. So you retired in 2004 uh, as a reservist. That, that is correct. Yeah. So I, between my active duty time and then my reserve time, uh, actually I have a, I had a lot of years in a lot of points yeah. Um, in hindsight, I, I didn't rack up as many as they do nowadays. Uh, paid my dues as a reservist. As a matter of fact, I will segue the last, almost the very last reserve assignment I had. I got mobilized. 
oh, on no. very short notice, going back some 20 years, for you remember that Operation Iraqi Freedom, right? Of course, sure. Of course. So <laughs> I got called up on very short notice. It's like, yep, get your sea bag, uh, you know, uh, show up with your sea bag, get ready to deploy. Uh, we're going to war. Uh, now, this was not desert storm, but rather it was when we, uh, out of Kuwait, we invaded Iraq in Operation Iraqi Freedom. Oh, so you're talking that was 2003? Yeah, it was about 2003. It was Operation Iraqi yeah. OI. OIF? OIF. Yeah, OIF. Yeah. Not enduring freedom. It was Iraqi freedom. Well, so that kind of rolled into the, the initial invasion out of Kuwait up into Iraq only lasted a couple weeks. The very beginning of it, which I got called up uh, and was in Kuwait on, <laughs> on land. Yeah, so I was on land and it's like, uh, you know, we stand by, stand by, stand by. When are we going to invade? Wow. Uh, you know, out of uh, out of Kuwait, uh, when are we going to uh, roll the tanks north? And actually, there was a huge sandstorm. I don't know if you recall that. I remember that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but it was about, I, I forget maybe what was it, about three weeks of fighting when essentially uh, Saddam Hussein was overthrown. And that's when Operation Iraqi Freedom rolled into Enduring right. Freedom. What were you, what was your job that you were, they deployed you over to Kuwait? Yeah. So I was, that was kind of my last active duty. Well, it was my last active duty, definitely. And it was kind of my last reserve assignment. Uh, I was, uh, what it started out as uh, harbor defense, but then became what they called naval coastal warfare. And the, uh, the responsibility of naval coastal warfare was to uh, protect the port uh, in Kuwait and also to capture the offshore oil platforms, the go plats, they would oh, call wow. them go plats. So we were right along the shoreline of Kuwait in Iraq. Jeez, that's crazy. It was interesting. Oh. What were you? What rank were you then? Gosh, I, I oh, I actually I was fairly senior at that point. I was what they call a commander. What's that? Oh five. So I was oh, a fairly five. senior uh, officer, and again, naval coastal warfare, uh, which was about both men and women. It was about a thousand uh, personnel command, and again, we were right along the coastline. Wow, uh, Kuwait and, and Iraq, and and it was about a thousand person command, and I was one of the one of the more senior uh, people in that command. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, how long did they keep you over there for? Nine months. So ah, it, was, it was. I know it was pretty hot and and dusty. Uh, so we got mobilized just about Christmas time as they were starting to. Uh, uh, man up on the ground over there, and um, uh, they sent us over there for the invasion, and uh, then we stuck around uh, until uh, September of uh, when, when again, that was just about, that was when the Enduring Freedom yeah. uh, officially kicked off. 
it's it's remarkable how you know they'll, they'll get you over there as fast as they can you have the action and then there's that long tail afterwards before they let you go back <laughs> home right <laughs> that's true everyone was uh everyone was very anxious uh you know we were counting the days and hours yeah. like when are they going to send us back home now we've you know, we were successful. I'm ready to go back home. And uh, that did drag out. Uh, but uh, we all we were all exhausted. No alcohol. Uh, and uh, yeah. oh, it was we lived in tents. It was when we first got over there, there were there was zero accommodations. Uh, we literally actually they put up tents uh, the first week or two while we were there. And we literally made all our own furniture out of Oh, no. really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We made our desks and uh, tables and sure. everything out of wooden uh, packing crates. But as time went on, we used to go up to Kuwait City and buy furniture. And uh, so uh, by the time we by the time uh, our personnel, I left, uh, you know, they, they were pretty much um, back on track. Uh, but but again, the war, as you well remember, dragged on for many years. And uh, it was yeah. a sad time. Was there a chance? I, I know reserves kind of top out, right? I mean, I, I know there it's really hard to go past the reserves, but you were already uh, an 05. Yeah. Um, was there a chance that you looked at 06? I, you know, um, I don't know what my promotion chances were. I, again, you know, I, I I never really was really that gung ho. Okay. <laughs> I don't okay. know. Maybe I'm rationalizing. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the problem, Marty. And you can tell me your senior rank, but um, I topped out as a commander. Uh, I'm sure I went before the selection board. I did. I got passed over for captain, which is the equivalent of yeah. a colonel. Right. And uh, you know, you look back and said, "Woulda, coulda, shoulda." Yeah. If I applied myself or if I'd gone, you know, if I tried a little bit harder or I'd done above and beyond, but uh, no, I, I never got selected. And so again, uh, uh, I thought, I, you know, as a matter of fact, that, that seems to be the default here at, at uh, SSC, the Space Systems Command. It's like, yeah, I retired as a lieutenant colonel. We have a few <laughs> retired colonels. Uh, but usually it seems like folks seem to top out at about the uh, lieutenant colonel uh, point. Well, at that point, after that, I mean, one, it's even fewer and far between in the reserves to try to get an 06 slot. But then you're taking on a whole lot more duties uh, that would require a lot more time dedicated to a reserve job. Yeah. yeah. And that may not be palatable. You know. Boy, I, I tell you what, Marty, I don't know if it's your other interviews, but boy, you put your finger right on it. And, and uh, to become a full captain in the reserves or active duty is a very demanding yeah. uh, select. You know, the pyramid really starts narrowing down. Sure. Uh, and, uh, you know, I have no regrets. Uh, I get my, you know, Uncle Sam sends me at the beginning of the month, every uh, every month. Uh, they send me a nice little thank you. Uh, we have a lot of benefits as a retired reservist. What was your biggest ass chewing you ever got in the Navy? Oh boy, I'll tell you what. Uh, one that pops into my head. Uh, I was on the bridge of the aircraft carrier, and um, uh, we were steaming in formation, as they say. 
And uh, that can be that can be a dangerous time uh, on aircraft carriers. Interestingly enough, and it still rubs me the wrong way, the commanding officer uh, on an aircraft carrier is a naval aviator. Oh. They're very good. They're very senior, and they know what they do. Uh, they're good at ship driving, as we say. And um, somehow or other, maybe I've intentionally kind of uh, subconsciously tried to forget it. Somehow or another, another ship got pretty darn close to us, closer than it should have. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the captain, the commanding officer, a wonderful man, who uh, I actually I've seen him on TV and stuff. Oh, wow. he, he was a great guy. Uh, he came out on the bridge of the ship, and when he saw that this ship, this other Navy uh, combatant surface ship, was closer than it should have been to us, Marty he wrapped his arm around my head and put me in a headlock. Oh, uh, yeah, he grabbed my head, uh, and he's a senior captain, and he literally wrapped his arm around my head put me in a headlock next to, and held me next to his chest and said, if you ever do that again, uh, God help you. Uh, you. You know, you should have called me. It doesn't matter if it was the middle of the night. The wow. standing orders are, you know, uh, notify the captain anytime a ship gets in within 2,000 yards of the, of the ship. And you didn't do that. And, uh, you know, he physically... Uh, uh, did that to me, but that was kind of actually. I'll tell you what. Uh, some of those he was an aviator himself, and uh, uh, that sticks in my mind. A great. Uh, he looked out. Actually, he helped my career. Yeah. Uh, but that that was one instance. Uh, that was an wow. I won't forget. What <laughs> you had to be just like, oh my god, I can't believe. Well, it stuck in my mind. You know that was sure. uh, so. Ever since then, it's like, uh oh, uh, don't hesitate to call the commanding officer anytime. You know, a uh, another ship's going to get within uh, a nautical mile. Wow, I've never heard that one before. So, uh, now in contrast, what would you say your proudest moment is? Wow, you know, I, I'll tell you what. I they they, they kind of run together, Marty. Uh, I'm going to have to reflect on that one. Uh, I, I guess you know when I when I qualified. Actually, on the aircraft carrier, uh, it was very difficult yeah. uh, for a junior officer to get all his qualifications signed off. Okay. And to become to become a uh, officer of the deck on an aircraft carrier uh, because the other senior officers didn't trust junior officers. Of course, uh, yeah. As my story illustrated, uh, <laughs> to keep us out of trouble. Uh, they were very, they were reluctant to qualify junior surface warfare officers to become officers of the deck where, okay. uh, they would go back in their stateroom and you were up there all on your own, yeah. kind of, uh, you know, uh, responsible to, as the captain's representative on the bridge. So, uh, and actually you get a, what they call a warfare device. You know how the aviators have their gold wings on their, on their breast device, right? I do. Yeah. So the, believe it or not, and I don't know if it's a, what they call a me too pin. We got so many of them in the Navy now, but, uh, so the surface warfare officers, we do have a gold, uh, pin, uh, breast device 
that we wear uh, when we qualify. Uh, and uh, I'll, I'll tell you, Marty, it was a long, hard qualification, but I did earn my, uh, my surface warfare officer pin device uh, that I'm still very proud of to this day uh, uh, on my first tour. That's amazing. I mean, I, I understand uh, the reluctance for them to do it. So they're going to be a very yeah. rigorous that you know what you're doing. And they're afraid. Yeah, they're afraid of collisions uh, at sea, which is a very real, uh, that's a real uh, thing. And actually, I, I won't digress because you've been so generous. But while I was on the aircraft carrier Ranger, we had an extremely uh, serious uh, collision at sea that did a whole lot of damage to the ship. And that's kind of the worst case scenario. For that happened to your ship or another ship? No, it, it happened while I was while I was on the aircraft carrier Ranger. Oh, we, it happened to the Ranger. Our, yeah, our ship, the Ranger, uh, in a very congested area uh, during a transit, we T-boned, ran right into an oil tanker and crushed oh. the bow. Uh, we had multi, we, it really uh, damaged the front of the ship. And of course the captain was relieved and the navigator oh. was relieved. And uh, so that was an extremely sobering, sad uh, event in the history of my, my three year yeah. tour on board the Ranger. How did that come about? Uh, well, was it was a congested time. Uh, you know, I, I, I used, so it was the <laughs> What they called the running lights. So it was a uh, we were in we were going through uh, what they called the Straits of Malacca, which is a very narrow, tight. Uh, it's it's when one leaves the Pacific Ocean just south of Singapore, and you go through the Straits of Malacca, which are a very narrow, congested shipping lane. The senior naval officers were not on the bridge at the time and people uh on the bridge got confused uh the merchant oil tanker got confused when it looked at oh. us and couldn't figure out what course and heading we were on actually the even even for an aircraft carrier uh the burden was kind of on us to avoid yeah. Yeah, we, we do not, you know, the, the, the merchant uh, tankers, uh, they're they're minimally manned and it's up to the aircraft carrier to avoid oh. shipping, which we did not do. Uh, it was it was a sad, unfortunate thing. We literally punched a triangular uh, cutout into the side of the oil tanker. It was a huge horrendous thing we had to we had to turn around we were going to the indian ocean uh and we had to turn around from uh the straits of hormuz we had to steam back first to subic bay oh geez. And, then, and then we got put into dry dock in yokosuka where they cut out the bow of the aircraft carrier we were put into dry dock in yokosuka they the japanese shipyard workers yeah. cut off they cut off, literally cut off the bow of our aircraft carrier, which was smashed in, built a brand new bow of the ship, and then uh, welded it and put it back on the carrier. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Sad. Retired Naval Commander 
Lem Shepard, it's been a pleasure to talk with you today. Thanks for giving me your story. Well, thank you, Marty. I'll tell you what, this has been so enjoyable, and I just hope your listeners uh, enjoy it too. Uh, Everybody loves a Navy man. (laughs) Thanks again, Lem. I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. On behalf of Commander Shepard, I'd like to thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please leave a like and a comment and share the podcast with someone else. And as always, make sure to download the next episode for more service origin stories. So until next time, on your feet, dismissed!